welcome back to Conversations with Coco and Friends. I'm your host, Coco, aka Katrina Smart. Every episode, I'll be having real conversations with the people who inspire me. We go deep and we go there. And I've got my girls with me. This podcast is co-hosted by two of my friends who I happen to also work with. Cleo is a kick-ass producer and a problem solver. And Pilar is an insane director and social media manager. We hope you enjoy these conversations as much as we enjoy having them. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Today we're chatting with the woman of the hour, Dr. Linda. Linda is the founder and CEO of the gorgeous One Clinic in Toronto. This healthcare center was designed with comfort and convenience top of mind. One Clinic offers primary care, specialists, pharmacists, and a laboratory all under one roof. Linda's passion is prevention. I mean, us too. Everything from a pap test to cosmetic injectables, Linda and her team have our back. You won't want to miss this conversation. It's an insider look into the industry and how Linda manages her business while being a new mama to her beautiful baby boy, Nova. Hope you enjoy. Linda, let's go way back, back to the beginning. Did you know you always wanted to be in the medical profession? Did you know you always wanted to be a doctor? So how I know Linda is that she does my Botox. Um, (laughs) But uh, I didn't even know that you were a medical doctor before that. And you're super, super busy. Um, it's really hard to make an appointment because she spends a lot of time in surgery, um, doing emergency (laughs) in the ER. Um, so what made you get into medicine? So I actually didn't know that I wanted to get into medicine, um, until my brother, my younger brother, he was diagnosed with lupus. I don't, do you guys know what lupus is? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's autoimmune disease, very rare for Asians. And Asian boys. It's actually very common for girls and African, like American girls, actually. That's probably the most common population that gets lupus. So my brother had lupus and we were at SickKids for at least a year. So he was, you know, living at SickKids. And so during high school, I would be taking, I would take the subway and just go and hang out with him for the weekend or some days when my parents weren't there. And then during that time, I really realized that um, that was a profession that I could see myself in because, you know, we were really scared. One, a family who are immigrants, Mm -hmm. you know, um, this, as I said, is a very rare disease in our type of population. So we didn't understand that. And the kids really put our family at ease. 
during the whole stay. And he was there for, you know, a whole year of his life. He had a birthday there. The Raptors came. He had like a huge celebration. Yeah. So I think that during that time, it really gave me some insight into something that I would want to do, which is tangibly making a big difference in someone's life. So, and I always loved science, you know, I was kind of like a nerd. Like I was trying to figure out why things happened, what was the purpose of certain things. So I, that really resonated easily with me. So then I think just eventually when I was figuring out what I wanted to do in high school and you, you know, you're an OAC and figuring (laughs) out your like prereqs for undergrad, um, science just made sense. And then eventually going to medicine was something that was just like a natural step. Right. And did you know that you always wanted to do surgery? Like, because obviously you do ER surgery and then you also do aesthetic stuff. So how did that kind of come about? Yeah, great question. So I actually, as I said, I'm somebody that likes a lot of things, but I knew things I didn't like. Yeah. So when I was in medical school, I was doing, you know, we did obstetric gynecology as one of our um, electives. I love babies, but I didn't want to like, you know, deliver babies (laughs) for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, And then so I kind of, to tell you the truth, I know some people had like a epiphany and they knew exactly when they wanted to do and this is exactly when they want to do the whole life. I was never like that. I kind of knew the things I didn't like doing. So I kind of just did certain electives and realized, okay, this wasn't me. This wasn't me. And then my mentors just kept on telling me that I was really good with my hands. So I wasn't a hundred percent sure what specialty I wanted to do until I started um, going into the operating room and just realizing that that was some, some place I was very comfortable. I love doing procedures, you know, like to me, it's kind of like there was a problem. I could fix it tangibly and then you could see a result from it. So I think that's kind of what happened where when I was applying for residencies, I applied for many different types of residencies, general surgery, dermatology, um, family medicine. So you could see there were like such different varieties. Mm -hmm. And then when I did my residency and I really saw myself thrive in surgery. So then I started doing that and I really loved it. But while I was doing that, I also realized that I eventually wanted to, you know, have a family and, you know, if you see surgeons, they typically, they don't have the flexibility of being right. able to have a type of nine to five job. Because you're always or, on call, right? Exactly. Yeah. We're always on call. So mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out something that made more sense in my type of personality as well. So how aesthetics kind of um, got brought towards that was that when I was doing some on-call surgeries and I was doing some surgical assisting in that time, I noticed that people would be having issues with excessive sweating and we would do like injections in the armpits to help them with their sweating and other procedures. Um, From that point on, I started understanding more about aesthetics and I did a lot of training on in aesthetics for actually five years. I've been doing high level training on aesthetics. And then I noticed that that's something that I really thrive with. I love beautiful things. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I'm creative and I think one thing about medicine is that it's very, it's, it's like a recipe, you know? So it's like, you see a patient, they have appendicitis, right? An infection of the appendix. You you do an ultrasound, you do a diagnosis. We usually, usually do a laparoscopic surgery, which is you're using like, um, like a, a, a camera. Mm-hmm. So you have less type of um, opening of the abdomen, or sometimes you do an open surgery depending on the, uh, the issue. And then you remove it and then you close the the you know area opening and then hopefully the patient feels fine right so there's not that much of 
and room for creativity, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel right. like that's a part of me that I was really lacking and I wanted to allow to thrive. So aesthetics really made sense because really when you look at somebody, well, when I do aesthetics, I think it's like I look at somebody and they're kind of like a canvas and I mm-hmm. look at the symmetry of their their face and every every single person to me is beautiful mm-hmm. and you just have to kind of tweak their symmetry to um to kind of enhance their natural beauty is there a reason why you didn't go into plastics that's such a great question so you know what like what i loved about general surgery uh, when i did my um, internship and residency in that was that i loved the variety Mm -hmm. and i think that's why it keeps on coming back to the thing that i love a lot of things you know you know so i find that if i'm pigeonholed into one thing i'm never really happy and i get very maybe the Sagittarius in me, <laughs> like I get really, really bored and distracted. So um, I found that general surgery, I was able to understand and love a lot of different things. And then I also did a fellowship in like outpatient and um, family medicine. And that was also very general. And I love the preventive care aspect of that, you know? So I think that I, as I said, like I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do, but I knew the things I didn't want to do. So I knew that I didn't want to solely focus on just aesthetic, like um, plastic surgery because people are coming to you most of the time because they are unhappy with maybe a certain physical thing that they're not happy with. And I felt like I liked to help out with other aspects of medicine, mm-hmm. such right. as, you know, I think in the beginning when I was doing more the OR, um, we were doing a lot of like varieties of surgeries, like helping people with colon cancer, you know, helping people when I was doing my internship, I did like transplant surgery. Like, you know, you're learning a lot of amazing things that I think that gives you a lot of perspective in other things outside of just beauty, Mm -hmm. you know? And even though I love aesthetics, I think it allows you to focus on that, but it is less invasive versus plastic surgery, you know? Totally. I love your POV. And then flash forward to today, you are the founder and CEO of One Clinic. Was owning a clinic what you expected it to be? How did it end up happening? Tell us the story to actually opening One Clinic. So, you know what? I think I always wanted to, like, have my own practice. You know, I think that my parents have their own business. Um, they had a textile, textile company um, when we were growing up. So I saw like the entrepreneurship and I grew up with that type of mentality. I think that I, and I worked in so many different hospitals and so many different clinics before I opened up one clinic that I knew that I wanted to open up a clinic my way, mm-hmm. which is not like a blank, not like a white box that mm-hmm. you go into, you know, and you you see signs on the wall that's like, do you have chlamydia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's like, why are you going to a medical clinic and be so scared? And this is like the most intimate place that you need to be in. Right. And how can we promote prevention and, you know, really taking care of your health if you're in an environment that does, is, does not allow you to feel comfortable? Right. So, you know, I wanted to create a space that I would personally want to go to and I want my friends and family to go to. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was my vision was to create a clinic that was something that was all in one because all of us Torontonians or even not even Torontonians and all of us in our age group, we're busy, you know, Mm -hmm. and your health, as we know, during this pandemic is a priority, but unfortunately we don't put it as a priority. And I think it's not only as a result of how busy we are, but also the the convenience of how health the, our healthcare system has been 
where you're going to your family doctor. And then after you go to family doctor, you have to go to a different lab to get your blood work. After Mm -hmm. that, if you get a referral for, you know, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, whatever it may be, you have to go to their different clinics. Therefore, the compliance is not there. You know, Mm -hmm. like a patient as a patient myself, I know that I'm not going to want to go to all these different places. And therefore you just kind of like lose that drive to want to maintain your health. So when I, when I was, you know, envisioning this grand idea of opening up a multidisciplinary clinic and having all these specialists under one roof and having a lab in, in the the clinic and, um, and having a pharmacy. So we have a full on pharmacy and we also have the aesthetic part of it where we have like facials and, and Botox and injectables and fillers and so on like that. Um, I wanted to make something that was easy because you know what? I think that people think getting injectables is such a bad thing. And maybe now people are much more open. And I'm I'm so happy that you're able to talk about Mm -hmm. it, Coco, because I think that people think like getting Botox or fillers makes you a horrible person or it's like something you should hide. But, you know, J-Lo does not look like J-Lo because she like never did anything. So the new cream line that she created was like her holy grail. Like, come on, you know, let's like be honest, right. you know, like, why do you think that there's such a taboo still around? I think that you, I think that, um, women, we should like embrace and like support each other mm-hmm. versus compete with each other, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that's something that um, I think is like concerning in our generation. Like, you know, I think that, you know, we try to all be prettier than each other or smarter than each other, or a better mom or a better friend. But like, like, I think that there's enough for everybody to win equally, you right. know? And I think that like people don't want to tell you their secret right. because maybe that would make them like less. Uh, like, well, yeah, she's that pretty because. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's and a ways of but yeah, or yeah. some sort of exactly. justification. Like, why can't she just be beautiful? Why is it because yeah. of other things? And like, don't get me wrong, JLo is beautiful and I think she's done all the things, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But like, it's okay to do all the things. Yeah. Like, why not? Right. And I think that that could be a factor. And also... I think it's also the problem with injectables is that you've seen the work mm-hmm. that is obvious, mm-hmm. which looks which looks a little bit frightening. And right. a lot of our partners, our husbands or boyfriends or whoever, our girlfriends, um, you know, are against. Mm-hmm. So they don't know that you can ha- get Botox and fillers and still look like yourself, but you just went to the spa for a week. Right. You know, you slept so, for a You don't look like a cat. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And it's not like you like look like, not like this is a bad look, but like, not like you look like a pro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that look <laughs> may be somebody's like. That's Dream what that, yeah. that's what they're into. But a lot of I know, like when some of my clients come, they're like, "Oh, don't tell my husband because he doesn't want to doesn't want me to get like um, fillers done or Botox done." I'm like, "Why?" Because you know he's scared I'm gonna look like a cat, or I'm scared I'm gonna look like Marge Simpson, or I'm scared like I'm gonna look like that like prostitute and right. stuff like that. And it's like it's like that's not what really good Botox looks like and fillers look like. You know, yeah, that's not the goal. You can yeah. that's not the goal. Yeah. And if that is the goal, you're not you're going to the wrong person. I was gonna say like tell our listeners for someone who is interested in their first Botox session or first cosmetic surgery on the surface consult what can they expect from it what kind of questions should they be asking the doctor that they're visiting for the first time that's a great question i think that you know one you need to choose somebody that kind of understands you you know because everybody has their own aesthetic right Mm -hmm. you know you you don't choose a designer for your home if their their art if their type of design is like like picasso like (laughs) and you're very minimalist yeah you know 
So you just choose somebody that is has the same mindset as you. I think that's number one. So may it be that you see their work through other people. And I think that's most of my work. I don't post that much because most of our clients prefer to be private. But so word of mouth is huge for us. But a lot of people obviously are using social media. So Instagram is such a great platform. You can see people's before and afters and you can see if that is um, that resonates with you. Mm -hmm. And then I think obviously asking with credentials is really important. You know, how many years of experience, how many people, how many people they've done. And I think, you know, not being biased, but I think being a physician is different than having any other title of injecting because if anything goes wrong, you know, mm -hmm. knock on wood, that doesn't happen. We we know how to fix it, right? We have the prescription, we have the medications, we have the um, experience and the means to fix the situation. Because of course, even though we try our best to make things the best result for our clients, but at the same time, you know, nothing's at one hundo, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, exactly. I think that we just, and I think that you just also have to have a good rapport. You have to realize it's kind of like your hair girl. Mm -hmm. Why do you go to like your hairstylist? Why do you go to your brow girl? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you choose somebody that makes sense to you and you have a good rapport and then you can communicate with them what you like. So that's my advice. I think too, what like I would say about this, and if anybody's ever met Dr. Linda, meet her. She's awesome. She, you're like a girl's girl, like the girl's girl through and through in all capacities. Because I've had my Botox done by her as well. And one of my favorite pieces of that is like in our first appointment, she's, I was like, well, like, what about this? She's like, I, I don't want to do your eyes because I think it's dumb. And she's like, I love your eyes. They're beautiful. Like, you know, little crow's feet things. And she's like, no. And every time since then, she's been like, no, let's not do that. No, we don't need this. Like a less is more approach with a lot of stuff. Which is nice because I think one of the things people get worried about when you start going to do see somebody for any kind of injectables is that they're going to be like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this and make you feel like shit because your face is what it is. But when you have somebody else being like, hey, these are the reasons I actually don't think you should do this and then basically refusing you. I think it instills like that same rapport that you're talking about. And even beyond that, this is just a side note. We've I've been doing um, some fertility stuff and me and Linda were speaking about fertility things. And I was frustrated with my my family doctor because we I called him and I said, hey, like I want to investigate my eggs and, you know, whatever, whatever. And he asked me two questions on the phone. He's like, oh, well, um, have you tried to have a baby? Are you trying to get pregnant right now? I'm like, no. He's like, you should be fertile. I'm like, what? And so Linda and I at a dinner were talking about it. And she's like, fuck that. She's like, make an appointment tomorrow with the clinic. And that's what happened. And then next thing I know, I have an appointment. I have a fertility like specialist recommendation. Your clinic called me to make sure that I got all the information. Like that's the kind of holistic, like multidisciplinary thing you're talking about. And that makes a big difference, I think, especially as a woman, because, you know, we and we've spoken about this lots of times on the podcast. But if you're not fighting for yourself or advocating, you sometimes you don't know what to do or say, but then you make it easy for us to advocate for ourselves because you're doing it, too. And that helps because medicine and all of it can be really scary. So that's just my two cents. Oh, thank you so much for acknowledging that. Of course. I'm so happy that the clinic made sure that that was done. And you know what? I like like what um, Cleo says is that I think that we're the expert, you know, quote unquote, in the aesthetics. You're coming to us for that advice, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that if somebody is pushing you and pressuring you to do things aesthetically, then that might not be the right person for you. And I think that, you know, as as you mentioned, less is always more. And that's my perception. You can build. Yeah, yeah, you can always add. Can't you know, take away. You can't take away. And one thing is that um, we, you have to let time allow the filler or the Botox to integrate into your skin before you can, like, I think that people push filler, you know? Mm -hmm. And then that's why they get the migration and they get that duck lip or the March Simpson appearance that people are afraid of. <laughs> and then, and I think that that's some, that's a really important point to also know too when you're asking 
is that you have to ask your um the injector um like their experience in um long-term longevity for the patient because i think that you know you these results don't they don't like improve overnight it takes time you right. know so i think that you need to have that like honest conversation and like as you said for um you need to ha not only advocate yourself but i think you need to find somebody that advocates for you not right. only aesthetically but also medically you know and i think that that's the reason why i love the concept of the multidisciplinary approach that we have at the clinic is that you know we make an environment that makes it easy for you so that the hard questions that we all are concerned about you know as women in our age group you're worried about fertility that's one thing you know that there's a biologic clock unfortunately that ticks for us versus men mm -hmm. and you know people don't talk about how difficult it is to have a baby in our age group you know and people don't talk about it. i was just talking to my girlfriend right now um she was just over and we we're talking about miscarriages and mm -hmm. having babies and people don't realize that um to have having a miscarriage is so much more common than actually being able to conceive right you know and it's actually 25 percent each month um chance of having a miscarriage versus conceiving so i think that we don't talk about it and therefore it's this looming idea that it's like difficult to, to communicate with people because i think as i said like you know women we compete with each other versus support each other and therefore we make it a taboo that right. miscarriages or infertility is like it makes you a bad person mm -hmm. you know yeah, it's also something that people hide, like they just try to like sweep it under the rug and keep it moving. Yeah. Even though if people just talked about it more, it would make it so much easier for people to get through. Exactly. And I think if, and like no one else understands it. Right. Then the, the, the women who are all going, going through, through it. it exactly. you know? So why are we hiding it? I know. Right. It's true. I think it makes us more perfect to be imperfect. Yeah. That's my theory. You know, that's why I don't ever try to inject my patients and make them look the same when they come and they show me they want to look like a kardashian or a jenner you know yeah. that's just an example yeah. um i said that listen we're all beautiful in our own way i can make you more symmetrical mm -hmm. you know and as a theory symmetry equals beauty and that will make you beautiful in your own way you mm -hmm. know but i'm not going to make you somebody that you're not because one i don't even know how to inject that way yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. and i don't even see beauty that way you yeah. know i think i see everybody and i think that everybody has their own natural beauty speaking yeah. of beauty it's going to go off script here but you're incredibly attractive very beautiful woman um did you find it what did you find it very hard to be in medicine the way that you present as a beautiful woman like within the kind of it's still overly male dominated not industry, but world of medicine? Was it hard coming up in the ranks? Or even now going into the OR or ER, do you, do you find sometimes there's a little bit of shade? What was that like for you? You know what? I've commonly, if a patient doesn't know me, they think I'm either a medical student or a nurse. Mm -hmm. Not like anything is wrong with either of those. Yeah. But I think that n that no one ever, you know, jumps and assumes that you can be a physician, right. you know, if you like take care of yourself mm -hmm. right so you know like i don't want to play this violin that oh my god it's so hard when you're a woman in the in this career it is very difficult you know most um people most physicians in the or are men mm -hmm. you know i'm probably like one of the few women you know that if you are in the or you'll see and we're in we're in scrubs you know mm -hmm. we're we we were we were living the pandemic life pre-pandemic. So right. I was always in a mask and scrub. So you never really fully see each other until you're out and all of a sudden your hair is out and stuff like that. And um, I think it's very difficult to be taken seriously when you are somebody that 
takes care of yourself in medicine and like, you know, brush, like makes an effort and, you know, make sure that your hair is done and you're dressed well and you're fit and you're exercised. Because I feel as if even though now in our modern day society, um, people quickly judge you if you, you know, make an effort because mm-hmm. um, they think that um, doctors should be like unattractive or like, or like like no makeup no lenses, yeah like yeah like focus know? on saving lives not on yeah. your vanity yeah yeah and yeah. i don't think do that about exactly yeah. and i believe that you can do like you know i just became a mom like nine months ago and i you know and my son i want to teach him that like i think that we should be encouraging women to like feel their best may it be that you go get botox and fillers or not Mm-hmm. Maybe that you get your hair dyed or not. I'm not saying you need to do any of these things. I'm just saying that whatever makes you happy. As I said, like, I love, you know, I appreciate, like, I go into a room and I I love when someone designs something really nicely. I can sit in a restaurant and just see, like, the plate setting and love it, you know? Like, I just mm-hmm. love design, creativity. I feel as if, like, in my other life, I was, like, I was, like, in, like, in, like, a fashion designer or, like, in a creative outlet. Like, I don't think I was, like, in science, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel as if that other aspect about me has translated Into, outside of my yeah. life. And I feel like that's finally I figured out what I wanted to do because it made sense. Like, I, I have science and I'm able to still do aesthetics, so right. it made sense. But, um, but I feel as if, like, no matter what, I don't know if, if you know, medicine will eventually change i think it's getting better you know like you there are now like more women in medicine and you know women are able to express themselves um in their own way and not be um judged for it but i still think that it's still not going it's still not um how it should be you know Mm -hmm. ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. So how did you build your team of trusted practitioners, doctors, specialists? You know, that's, it's like, it's a hard job guys. (laughs) Like you were saying that, Oh yeah. Was it idea of one clinic? You know, I had this amazing idea that I wanted to change like the landscape of what, uh, um, a medical practices, you know, which I love, like it almost surprises me that someone didn't do that sooner because mm-hmm. yeah. it just makes so much sense. Yeah. But oh, there's, there are like other like MedCan or whatever, but they, you have to pay like quite a bit of money mm-hmm. to be like a member of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas yours is, is like, not like that. Yeah, right? exactly. So ours is all, all covered for all the, you know, medical uh, necessities that you need. Um, so 
obviously the aesthetics is is another component, but all the medical things you need is all covered. And I wanted to create something that was accessible, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, not all of us have the financial means to go to MedCan and go to um, Cleveland Clinic and all these other mm-hmm. private clinics, you know, and I think that those places like um, I actually was offered a job at MedCan and I love the philosophy but I think that, you know, it's not really realistic for majority of people financially, but also, you know, you have to go to there for one whole day and you do a whole series of batteries of tests that whole day. And you get your, all your results that day, which is amazing. And I think it really fits the financial market because that's where most of their clients and their patients are because they're so busy and their employers don't want them to go and miss so many days. Right. So they just go do and do it all in one day. But I think that you know, medicine is not a one day thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a longitudinal process. You know, I think you need to create a relationship with your physician. So if you ever feel like something's wrong, you're able to communicate with them and they're able to send you to all these different outlets, right? So, you know, we have where our patients get rostered with our doctors. So, and it was quite difficult, you know, I think in the beginning it was just me and a couple girls, you know, my receptionist, and we had an amazing pharmacy team. And then eventually we started growing where I added a few more doctors where we just interviewed and I found doctors who had the same mindset as me, which is preventative medicine. You know, I think that and during this pandemic, as you can tell, you know, the healthiest survive, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's sad to say, but like if we spend little increments of all of our day making sure we make the most healthiest decisions, of course, you know, I eat you'll have fries once in a while and then mm-hmm. you, know, you may not want to exercise and do all those things but if you make small increment changes every single day then those small increment changes makes a huge impact on your overall health and i think that you need somebody to help you through that process and usually it's a it's a physician or it's an expert in their field that can help you you know and i think that um the backwards approach back in the day it was that you go to your doctor and your doctor tells you your acute problem they diagnose you you give you a medication and you don't see them for another year until you have another problem so that's not our philosophy because i don't think that's the right thing to do i think that you should go to your doctor at least once a year you should get a full head-to-toe checkup and then they if you have any issues such as you know your blood pressure is maybe a little bit off so we check all your all your levels your blood pressure your cholesterol your sugars um your fertility, if you're at that certain age, your prostate, if you're at a certain age, your colon, if you're at a certain age, your breasts, if you're at a certain age. So there's all these markers we do. And if there is a slight, you know, um, change from the normal, then we have you follow up. Mm-hmm. So may it be that, you know, all our patients, they do blood work and they always have to follow up the, with us. And I know that when I was a patient, I would go to my doctor and he'd be like, if everything's fine, I won't call you. And like, for me, it's like, oh my God, like there's this looming idea. Yeah. Is it fine? Maybe did he forget mm-hmm. to call me? Like, I'm not hundred percent sure. Utterly. So it's like, and I also think it's, it's like, we should take more um, accountability and power in our own health. So yeah. like I would go through and my doctors would go through the results with you. Like we'll explain to you what your cholesterol level is and how's that from ab- how's that from normal or abnormal. And if there is something that's a little bit off, we follow up with you in a few weeks to a few months. And until you kind of get to the point that you're um, normal. For example, I had a patient who had severe diabetes, you know, and this is when I was doing more outpatient family medicine practice. And before I, I was more busier in the OR and the aesthetics part of my practice. And he had severe diabetes. I don't, do you guys know what diabetes is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a sugar um, condition where his sugars were out of whack because he was not eating well. And he was going to multiple doctors who just put him on a lot of medication. And he wasn't doing the lifestyle component, which I think is 90% personally. I think the 10% is, you know, the medication that we put a bandage on to help you. 
in mm. in the in the small term while you're you know fixing the lifestyle so you know we worked aggressively with him where um with a naturopath in my clinic and a nutritionist and we were just trying to get him on the right regimen and just following up his numbers more consistently and literally within three months he got off off all his medications and he was able to go to his daughter's wedding mm. yeah because he finally felt healthy and not you know, insecure about his health. And that is so rewarding, yeah. you know, because yeah. I think, and that's what, why I believe prevention is so important because it takes away from, unfortunately, these acute d conditions and these chronic conditions take away from you enjoying your life. And I think that's the most important thing, you know, and everything else is just like, obviously, um, like, like to cherry on top, right? Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about prevention. So what do you feel like are some first steps of prevention at different age ranges, like in your 20s, like Pilar's in her 20s, I'm in my 30s, you know, every, other people are in their 40s. So what are things that we can do at each of those age ranges to kind of keep in the back of our mind moving forward? So we can talk about the health and the beauty, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> let's do it. Um, so in your 20s, I think the most important thing is you be doing pap smears because cervical cancer is very common at this age group. So Pap smears usually every three years if it's normal. Some of my patients do it annually. It's not covered by OHIP annually, but I have some patients that do it and they just pay out of the pocket. And I think that's important if you have if you're concerned. And I think just doing your typical blood work, you know, making sure your cholesterol is good, your sugars are good, um, your blood pressure is good. Because you know what? The reason why people get diabetes in their 50s, 60s, 70s is not because they all of a sudden started eating bad then. They were eating horrible when they were in their teens to 20s. And it just mm -hmm. adds up. You know, mm -hmm. so and if we were able to detect those numbers beforehand, then you don't have to be diagnosed with diabetes, you know, mm -hmm. so we could prevent it. So you just have to just change your lifestyle. That's just some screening that you need to do. And obviously cancer screening is really important, you know. So it's like if you have a family history of breast cancer or colon cancer, whatever it may be, you should be doing those screenings before then. And obviously prevention, just, you know, trying to incorporate the healthiest lifestyle as possible. So I find that, you know, a lot of us in our 20s or 30s are having a lot of anxiety and having issues with that. So it's like, you know, trying to start incorporating exercise, eating healthy, having a good support system. I think that will decrease you of having chances of having diagnosis of anxiety, depression in the future. And also, um, any other chronic diseases as well in the future. And for beauty, I think the most important thing in your 20s is having vitamin C and sunscreen, you know? Yep. So people don't realize that vitamin C is like the lemon you squeeze on an apple so it doesn't turn brown, right? And no matter what, you walk outside, your skin is going to change a little bit as a result of the sun. You know, you see babies, their skin is like so cute and porcelain and like soft. Why? Because they barely got any exposure. Yeah. But as we age, we go outside, we're having a good time. I think you should, everybody should, but I think that you should prevent. Because if you use vitamin C, you're preventing not only wrinkles and, you know, poor texture changes, but discoloration. And the discoloration is the hardest part, you know? Like you see patches your skin, made people, made people start getting melasma, which is where it's more of a, a hormone-induced um, discoloration. You see like pregnant women, they mm -hmm, have like mm -hmm. that mask of pregnancy that's called yeah. melasma, that's very difficult to treat. So if you use vitamin C and sunscreen, you start seeing, like I've said um, to so many of my patients, like, you know, I always say, take care of your skin now because your skin is like your everyday makeup. And try to hold off 
on Botox and fillers until, you know, you really need to do it, you know? So I typically, you know, sometimes I do start Botox on some patients in their 20s and it's called baby Botox. We just put a little bit just to help because they're very expressive. So if we don't do it now, then those lines are going to be deep and you, the Botox won't help at all. So I think you need to go to somebody that can understand that. But sometimes, like, as I said, with Cleo, like, I like, like, smile lines. Like, I think it looks good when you can tell that you're smiling or when you're angry. I think it'd be weird, like, if you're yelling at me and I have no idea, you know? (laughs) So I think that it's okay to keep some lines there because that just makes you, like, human. But I also think that, um, you know, we want to age gracefully, right? And um, I think that if you do a lot of work on making sure that you're taking care of your health, you want to make sure that, you know, your outside appearances also reflects your interior as well, right? So I don't think it's a terrible thing to start at that point. And like facials, if you're able to do, or mm-hmm. just good skincare. Like vitamin, the, my favorite vitamin C is SkinCeuticals. You know, it's been tested and true. You know, it's made by a dermatologist. Um, and it's the, they created, he created, Dr. Pinnell created the, the vitamin C. And unfortunately, not all vitamin C is equal. Mm-hmm. You know, and the ones that you may be buying that may be half the price or, or even the same price might not have the same efficacy. So I think that you choose a product that actually makes a difference. Like what I love about SkinCeuticals is none of their products have is, is scented. Like every single ingredient is made to be an active ingredient. So that means that everything that you're putting in your skin actually works. Your skin is the largest organ, right guys? Mm. So it's like, why am I going to put on something that doesn't actually make an impact? Right. Just oh. makes it smell better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great advice. You're like, great. So My 30s, skin smells like ro- roses. <laughs> <laughs> and in your thirties, I would say that's kind of the age when for health rise, I would say it's a similar in your 20s, there's not that much changes in your 30s as a female. Maybe I would say that I would start considering doing more fertility testing. May you have a baby or not, or considering having one or not. I think that give yourself a choice, right? So mm-hmm. there's something called, I think we talked about this, AMH. So it's called anti-malarian hormone. Um, the, the sensitivity is pretty good on it. It basically talks about your egg reserve, you know? So, and it lets you know, may you be with a partner or not, at least you know, as a woman, like how fertile are my remaining eggs right and then you can make the choice do i have time because i'm in a relationship and i don't need to have a baby right now or do i not have time so if i don't have time then maybe i might want to freeze my eggs right so i think that's really important to start thinking about in your Mm -hmm. 30s it's just like if you want to have a baby let's be prepared so like before my husband and i um uh had a baby you know maybe this is the doctor in me, like I'm OCD. So I did like, I ran all the tests, not because I wanted to have a baby at that time. It was just like, I wanted to not put pressure on us, you know? And I think that, so we did all the tests and it just gave me, it made me more feel more comfortable, you know? And and one of my girlfriends actually said a really great point. She said that she got her eggs frozen five years ago and now she's um, 38. And she said that um, since I froze my eggs, my decision in relationships have been my decision. It's not like mm. I'm dating a guy because like, I'm like, damn it. It's like two years. Like, you know, if I break up with him, I'm going to have to find another relationship. It's going to take two more years. And if I want to have kids, like, so now you're making your decisions because you're making a decision, not your own, not because of this biological clock. So I think that's very important in your thirties. And I think in your thirties, similar thing in your twenties, vitamin C sunscreen. But I think you know, as we are going on the sun more, you should be using a product that helps with pigmentation. So anything that, because we all are going to have a little bit sunspots and you just want to prevent that from happening. Some people have beautiful skin, like 
clay. You guys all have beautiful skin. <laughs> you know, you guys are blessed, but some people aren't. So <laughs> we have to kind of work on that. I love discoloration defense. It's, it's one of my products that I personally use. Before I was, during my, I think during my bridal shower, before that I went on my bachelorette and I was in the sun so much and I forgot to use sunscreen on a certain area. And then I had a brown patch on my cheek and it was like, like probably a month before my wedding. And then I started getting freaked out. I typically don't have like areas of discoloration. So I was like, I got freaked out. And then um, luckily I was able to get the product discoloration defense before it was released on the market. And literally I was using it, guys, it's crazy, two, for two <laughs> weeks, twice a day. And the discoloration, discoloration went away. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like, I just, that? <laughs> so I just think that if like, you know, you haven't, you have a concern, I would try to treat it sooner than later because it, you know, as pigmentation, it can like, it can stay in the skin long, longer mm -hmm. if you don't treat it. Um, and then I think around your thirties, sometimes people have a little bit of deflation, you know, of their face, like they're maybe they have, um, like under eye circles or like they're, or they have areas of asymmetry. And I think that if you feel comfortable at that time, I'm doing a little bit of sprinkling. I always say sprinkling filler <laughs> here and there or doing tweakments. I think those are like, that's a good age to start. And 40s. At 40s, you know what? I think 40s is a really per, uh, important age to start doing like severe, like aggressive breast cancer screening, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know, um, especially, especially now because breast cancer is so common, so mammograms should be done and it should be done every two years um, if they're normal, um, continuing in your pap smears. And um, if your family has your colon cancer, that's when you should be really considering about doing some colon cancer screening. May it be just something called the poop test <laughs> <laughs> or um, actually a colonoscopy. Um, but I, that's usually in your 50s. But if you have some family history, you know, I would consider that. And then um, the your regular, you know, seeing your physician and doing your regular screenings all the time. And I think that in your 40s, as we age as well, you're going to have more deflation, more expression lines. And that's just like life and aging. So continuing your skincare, as we talked about, I would maybe add like a, like maybe a retinol to that. Mm -hmm. Do you guys know what retinol is? Yeah, mm -hmm. I know you guys use it. <laughs> retinol is like, I can't use retinol actually because my skin is very sensitive, but I find that it's, it's really helps with fine lines and wrinkles. It just helps your skin turn over more uh, faster because you know, when you're a baby, your skin turns, turns over around like 14 days. As we get older, it takes like almost three months. Right. Oh, so you see that kind wow. of, you see how well, that's why baby skin is so soft and nice because it just keeps on turning over. So retinol is just basically mimicking like that turnover process sooner. What um, retinol would you recommend over the counter? Or do you recommend getting a prescription? So I recommend getting like, because the ones that over the counter, they're more retin-A and they may not be strong enough for you. But as I said, like I can't use retinol. My skin is so sensitive. So I think that I would do a test sample because it's very, um, it, it can be really irritating for people. And I would not do it before an event because your skin is going to feel, yeah. Like, call. That happened to me, guys. It was oh, no. Yeah. Like your makeup, the, your skin is peeling. Oh, you look like God. an out, like an it's a snake it was, not, it was not a good look <laughs> but i think if you're able to get a prescription that's good but i always would do a test patch so my test patch areas are usually in your most sensitive like your wrist because that can be hidden as well and then just see how your skin treats how your skin responds to it i also call something it's called a sandwich process where i would put cream on retinol and then more cream on top of that because then that kind of helps decrease like the sensitivity of the retinol 
Right. How do you stay true to your craft while still keeping up with the trends of the cosmetic world? Because there's always something new. I remember asking you about threads and you're like, Canada doesn't have good threads yet. Mm. So don't don't even bother, you know. But so you're really on top of the trends. But I know you have patients asking you for things. Um, how do you stay on top of it? You know, what? it's like I think that because I'm so interested in it, mm -hmm. that it's like so natural. It's like so easy for me to just try to be up to date. And I think also I'm really lucky. I have patients who are like who challenge me you know right. who, who ask me about these things that import that force me to start reading more about it as well and and also you know korea and asia and europe they're ahead of us you know right. mm -hmm. like far beyond actually so i think that being asian myself like i i learn a lot about the aesthetic world from just seeing the things that they've been right. doing already so what is the hottest new thing mm -hmm. right now the hottest new thing right now like what's mm. trending in well I, th I think you know the fox eye oh yeah, yeah. everybody's into this fox eye thing right so there's like two types of fox eye you can get it can be like surgically mm -hmm. where they do like a mini what people think you know bella Hadid has done mm -hmm. so you know she has you see what she looked like pre and post procedures and um I think that she has done it surgically because her results are pretty extreme versus if you see threads done with fox eye, it's not as obvious, but I think that just depends on the person, right? So I think that like some people want that obvious look, so they should maybe consider doing, it's called like a mini eye lift mm -hmm. and, but some people don't. So I think like threads are great. Like, you know, we talked about it and I think threads are great for your thirties and your forties. You know, I think that you don't need to be as aggressive. And maybe that's the reason why I like non-invasive um, aesthetics versus plastic surgery, you know, at our age group right now. Because I don't think that you need to, like, if you do that now, then what are you going to do later on? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can really, and I think also the results are most commonly immediate, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like when you do Botox, of course you have to wait like maybe a week or two until you see results. But, um, but versus fillers, you can see it almost right away. But when you do surgery, it usually takes about a year because, you know, after the healing and when the skin tissue comes back together, it takes you a year. And sometimes you may not like what your nose looks, you know, in a year after right. they did that rhinoplasty. But versus doing a liquid nose job, you inject the areas and you literally see the results right away. And we can add a little bit more and take a little bit more. And some people can't like sometimes your nose cannot be, you know, the nose that you want it to be. And at least you can see what it looks like in a more mm -hmm. non-invasive way and then you can proceed to doing something a little bit more permanent right so i think like liquid nose jobs are are a rage right now yes. and i think the combination between a liquid nose job with threads that they've been doing in korea have oh. been looking amazing with the results the, unfortunately the type of threads that they use in um different t in other countries outside of canada at the moment are much stronger threads and give a longer effect. I think that if you're going to do threads, why do I want it to last for like three, four months? I think it should be lasting for at least like a couple years to five years, you know, then why would you do that versus another procedure? Right. That's mm -hmm. my theory. So that's the reason why I haven't started threads at our clinic yet, because we're still waiting for the ones um, that are are similar to the ones in, in Asia. Let us know when you get those. <laughs> and we will update the listeners. You mentioned your nine-month-old son. Yeah. How have you been finding a balance in still working, raising a family, keeping your relationship heated, <laughs> keeping fit? Like, you look amazing. Oh, thank you. How do you do it? 
Well, girl's hard. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, you know, people don't talk about how difficult it is. You know, I think people just see the outside result, which is, you know, obviously something that something that is like a work in progress all the time. You know, I think that my husband Amir and I have been together for almost 10 years and we've been married for three years. And so we were used to being like, you know, childless couple for a very long time. And we know we're both, uh, my husband's a dentist. He's a, he does dental surgeries and, you know, we are both very career driven. So having a baby now was not actually in our cards. We were planning to wait for a little bit longer, but then it obviously happened. <laughs> you know, I got drunk in Bahamas and this is what happened <laughs> nine months later. <laughs> but, you know, obviously it's like a love, as you know, Coco, it's like the love that you could not imagine was possible. Like yeah. I never knew I needed or could love something or someone like this. And seeing him with, um, seeing Nova, that's his name, with Amir has been like, just like brightens up like my like my life like I'm literally I didn't know that he could experience that love too you know so it's it's like an amazing gift but it's a lot of work and I think that it requires a lot of communication and not only after the baby is here and currently but I think it was before you know you need to kind of have clear roles in your relationship you know like kind of letting your partner needs to understand that you're not going to be the same wife and the same career person, mm-hmm. you know, and the expectations need to be clear because I think that, especially since we were together for so long, that we're used to this certain pattern, you know, we would go travel whenever we wanted to go out for dinners whenever we wanted to the simple things, even the big things like now it's like everything is a plan, you right. know, and everything's around Nova's schedule, which is, you know, obviously he's a priority, but it's difficult. I think for me in particular, because I always did everything on whatever on my own time you know like I wanted to go work I did that I wanted to go work out with my work out with my trainer I would do that I would so now it's kind of like I work around his nap times you know (laughs) (laughs) or like whenever and his schedule is not 100% so it's even though we try to sleep train him he still has an okay schedule he's pretty good on his schedule but it's not up to the mark but you can't be planning like dinners and lunches and and training sessions and work schedules around a kid's schedule. So I've had to, you know, in the beginning, I I took a little bit of a break and then I slowly, so what I did that was different versus maybe other people did is I slowly started integrating back into the workforce. Hmm. So I would start doing like, you know, half a day a week and then a full day a week and then I started adding more days. And I think that allowed me to kind of get more comfortable and also allowed Nova to kind of get more comfortable knowing that I was, um, I was not there, you know, and, and it's like, as I said, it, to raise a child, it takes a village and, you know, we're lucky we have help. We have our moms who are amazing. Thankfully, mm-hmm. you know, they're here and they're capable of helping us. And, um, we have like, Nova has a, an amazing nanny. She's amazing. So, so that has really helped me and allowed me to have time. And I think that, you know, mom should not feel guilty if you want to take a couple hours or three hours or four hours out of your day so you can go run errands, work out, see your friends and be human again, you know? And I think that I had a lot of guilt in the beginning and maybe even people made me feel bad about it. Right. But then I realized I was a better mother and a better person and a wife and a partner after I was able to do me first. Mm, Of course. So I think that it has a huge adjustment, but I would say like communicating is really important. Just setting your life kind of a little bit as much as possible. Honestly, like there's no preparation. Mm-hmm. you know that yeah, you can you do can. that's possible yeah. i'm still not prepared you know yeah. every day keeps on changing <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Um, speaking of working out and taking care of yourself, how do you self care? And not the like IG version, like lighting a candle, but like, what do you, what do you really do to take care of yourself? IG version. Yeah. Um, honestly, I I'm somebody like I'm a huge workout addict. Mm-hmm. Like I love to work out. It makes me it makes me human because finally one hour out of my time, I don't have to be on my phone. Right. So I'm not like texting uh, like any of my employees or any of my colleagues, anything. I'm not checking any of my emails. I'm not looking at his nanit. Do you guys know what a nanit is? Oh, so it's a video it, yeah. thing It's like in a his baby crib. camera. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm addicted with it. See this nanit right here. You see that? So like, I, I try to turn Current my phone update. off because I'm like a crazy a mother when the nanit comes on. Popping up here. It tells you if the baby's sleeping, if it's like with all the things. So I typically, he's not sleeping right now, I see. So it's like... um. So finally, I'm like able to detach, you know, and also detaching for Instagram as well. You know, sometimes you're bored and you look through, you scroll through Instagram and it really sometimes affects you, you know. Yeah, you think it's so mindless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think like, you know, it it unconsciously affects us a lot. You know, you say like, this person's doing this. I'm like, why am I not doing this? Or like, am I a bad mom when this person's like feeding their kid this? Why is my kid not eating right now? You know, (laughs) like, who knows? Like all the stupid, crazy things that we we create these expectations within ourselves. So I think like working out is one thing that really helps me just get away from like all the other things and just be good to myself, you know, and just really have a good sweat session. And then um, I also really, really love like um, going, sounds corny, but like I love going for walks. And that's why I think I love living downtown, you know, like, Again, that's another thing. Like, you can't be on your phone. If you're going to walk, you're going to bump into somebody and, like, hurt yourself, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so I love going for walks. Yeah. And I love finding, like, little, like, random, like, coffee shops and little places. And, like, you know, like, I love buying local. So I typically always go to the market and buy local and just talk to, like, random, like, the <laughs> random farmers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I know that sounds corny. But those are the small little things that I like doing because I feel like it makes me feel, like, more into the community. Right. You know? But... And obviously shopping, <laughs> to be honest. Retail therapy is really nice. <laughs> we love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Linda, for taking the time yeah. to come hang out with us and chat on Conversations with Coco and Friends. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you slash one clinic on social. At doctor, you spelled the word doctor, period, Linda. And then one clinic's Instagram is at one clinic to Coes, you know what to do. Rate this podcast five stars on Apple and don't forget to follow us on Spotify. You can continue keeping up with our adventure on the gram at Coco and Co. That's C-O-W-E. Now go tell your friends about it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.